Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. Hey friends, what is happening? So glad to have you back, University of Adversity. So grateful for all of you. If you haven't already, go hit that subscribe button on iTunes. That's what matters. It doesn't cost any money to do. And leave a review, five stars. I want to hear the love. I want to hear how we've impacted you, what your favorite episode is. Let us know. Today, get your spirit hats on because we're going deep with some spirituality. And I know we talk about it sometimes, but my next guest has been a monk. He has traveled around the world to find inner peace. He's gone on to do some amazing things in business and then also now on a venture with a new book that I can't wait to share with you guys. He's a seasoned veteran in personal development, meditation, and growth, so I'm really excited to have him on. Make sure to open up your minds today. Make sure to listen carefully because we go very deep. So I want to prepare you. Like I said, get your spirit hats on, get your minds open, and let's have some fun. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. We got an exciting guest today. He walked away from an opportunity to run a billion-dollar business to hitchhike around the world to find happiness and inner peace. He studied in a seminary for five years and left one day before becoming a rabbi and lived as a monk in a monastery for 10 years. As a director of business development, he grew Hay House from $3 million to $100 million in revenue. He is a rare blend of businessman and mystique who sees what others don't see. He's also the author of The Mosaic, which I'm really excited to get into, a beautiful story that touches the heart and soothes the soul. So I am so excited for this story and this journey and just diving in. Daniel Levin, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much, Lance. I'm excited to meet this guy you're talking about. I wonder, you know, <laughs> I'd like to know who he is. <laughs> yeah, you got an incredible story. And, you know, I would love if you could just maybe take us as far back as you want to maybe just tell us a bit of backstory about yourself, because sure. that's pretty kind of dropping everything to go and find happiness is pretty incredible. There's a lot of people doing that. Maybe kind of take us back there and sort yeah. of explain your journey for us and paint a bit of a picture of what it was all like. Completely understandable question and great question. So let me see if I can do it under seven years of time. <laughs> Lance, I've had the blessing of being able to sit with the richest of the rich and not just sit with them. I don't mean in an audience watching them or perform. I mean, sitting with them at dinners and knowing the names of their wives and their kids and playing with some of their kids or playing with them, depending on what my age was during the time. And I've also had the incredibly blessed opportunity to sit on street corners with some of the poorest of the poor. And what I found over the course of my life, it didn't matter what color their skin was, what religion they practiced, what nationality they were, what border they lived behind, how much money they had or didn't have, whether their parents were good people or bad people. I found that every single person that I met wanted the same thing. They just wanted to be loved and accepted. And if I would dive down under that and ask them a question, really what they wanted, they wanted a chance to be heard and acknowledged. They wanted the chance to be listened to and, and, and appreciated. 
Not one of them said to me, Danny, I need you to agree with me. Agreement wasn't the thing that, that motivated them. Everybody just wanted to have their little place in the world acknowledged and accepted. And what I realized, that's the easiest job in the whole world. Mm. I don't need to have a college degree. I don't need to go to some fancy club to get, a, to get trained in it. I don't need to go to any more Tony Robbins workshops, although I love Tony. I know you do too, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't need to sit at the feet of a guru anymore. I don't need to go to a, to a seminary and sit there. I don't need to be in a monastery to do it. The simplest thing in the whole world, what everybody wants, I can actually give them. I can love and accept everybody just as they are. And I wouldn't have known that had I not gone on the path that I took. So you basically realize that we're all the same. Like we're, we all are craving the same things. A one billion percent. And not only are we the same, sort of metaphysically, yeah, literally we're the same. Yeah. I haven't been on quite the journey you have, but just interviewing people on a show like this or just having conversation, it makes me realize that as well. It makes me realize that we're not, we're all sort of, we're all going after the same thing. Yeah. We're just on yeah. different parts of the journey. Some are a little more experienced, but yeah. we're all the same. We're all looking for the same thing. And that's, it's pretty amazing. And so for me, without even realizing it, I just started to write this book. It wasn't the book that I intended to write. But I just started to write this book called The Mosaic, and I didn't even know what it was called. But what I realized is, as I was meeting these people, I realized these, they were like a mosaic of my life. The story is a simple story. Much of what we talk about today will not be in that book. But what it will be, if people are aware or astute, it'll be hinted at in the spaces between the stories that the book tells. So let me say that again. The stories are going to be simple stories about simple people. And a lot of the things we're talking about will be only hinted at in the space between those words. What does that mean? One of the undercurrents of the book, The Mosaic, is when Mo, the main character, asks the adults after his parents pass away, he's a boy, and his parents pass away, and he asks the adults, where are my parents? And the adults tell him, your parents are in a beautiful place called heaven. So he sets out that day in search of that place called heaven with nothing on his back, no, just the clothes that he's wearing. And he starts walking. And the people that he meets along the way are not your classic archetypes of people that would bring you to heaven. They're a trash man and a gardener and a waitress and a homeless man, a beggar on the street and a street artist. And he wonders, why in the heck am I meeting these people? Like, they don't seem like they're the ones that will get me to where I'm going. But he thinks, well, geez, I'm here with them. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what, what's being let out in front of me. I might as well sit with them and listen to their story. And what he sees in every single case is no matter who they were, what he saw of them when he first saw them, was completely different than the person he saw after they told him this, their story. Hmm. And so after time and time and time and time and time and time and time again of that happening, 
he realized that what he sees is not what is. It's just what he sees. Yeah. And when he finally has that thought, it's not even, it's not even a, a sentence structure. It's just a thought. He meets a monk who unzips the sky and walks him through to a parallel reality where he meets the wise one. So, and the wise one shows him the mosaic and gives him an experience of the mosaic. And so in a book that hints, that says what you see is not what is, it seems only fitting that it would hint at things that are not right in those pages. So what I encourage people to do is when they get the book, and I hope they will, not just because I want the few dollars it's going to give me, who cares? But because I want to create a new paradigm for the world. One in which we get out of the world that we know. Get out of that place that's the comfort zone. And walk into those places we don't know. Those places that scare the bejeevies out of us. Because it's in those places, in the places that we don't know, that we're going to find real innovation. And the world needs us to make that change now. I looked and you had these four words that I want you to elaborate. Center, everywhere, circumference, nowhere. Wow. What you would ask me if that was worth <laughs> <laughs> I have a spiritual teacher. His name is Paramahansa Yogananda. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't talk about that in the book. I don't talk, none of it, none of the book has any spirituality or religion in it, but everything about it is spiritual. The, the story of the road worker is spiritual story, even though there's, the word spirit is never mentioned. Yeah, no, for sure. Yogananda came, he was the first Indian teacher to come from India and stay in America. And he wanted to show people that the life that they were living, which was full of good deeds, People were so kind to each other. He found everybody, the Christian, the Christian-based community of the Americas that he lived, that he visited, people were always kind, always doing things for others, but they had no experience of themselves. And he said, what I want to do is I want to bring to this beautiful religion of Christianity, I want to bring to them this place of inner communion, not just outer communion. And he said, if you could understand these four words, think of life as being center everywhere, circumference nowhere. What we live is circumference everywhere, center nowhere. We live, if you think of it as a wheel, and there's a hub of a wheel and spokes of a wheel and the rim, most of us live on the rim. But the place where we have to get to live in is that hub. When we're center everywhere, even though the wheel's turning, this hub just turns a little bit. It doesn't throw us off our course. But when we walk into a room and, we, and the room totally changes us, we know we're living circumference everywhere. When we walk into a room and from our resonance of who we are as a human being, we bring the peace of who we are into that room and we change the room. Then we know we're operating center everywhere. That's fascinating. I'm very, very curious on what made you want to just, because there's a lot of people out there who have that pull to go and do something drastic, quit their jobs, travel. It takes a lot of guts. I did it. I sold everything. I moved to Australia. Not like what you did, but to an extent, people get so worried about just stuff, having the stuff and the job. 
How important is it for people to realize that pull and to act on it and to really find their true purpose of who they want to be in the end? Yeah. Lance, I would say if there's any way they can avoid it, avoid it. Yeah. Because uh, it, it is scary as all get out. Yeah. It was easy. when I did that when I was an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. And that was easy. Now I'm a 63-year-old man. And I'm being asked to do the same thing all over again. I've meditated every day for 45 years. And that meditation practice has given me a beautiful sense of who I am and, and the peace that I feel. But I noticed I was giving lip service to one of the things that I believed. Because I was saying over and over again, I know I'm going to call him God. You can call him yeah, universe. Yeah, of course. You can, you can call it mosaic. You can call it whatever we, you want to call it. We talk about it, different forms of that on the show too. Everybody, I think everybody's clear that, you know, I know we know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. So my sense is that God would completely, God completely takes care of us. And we don't really need to worry. We are in his hands or her hands. And she cares for us like she would her child. And I know that with every fiber of my being, but I don't live that way. Not until about three months ago. Up until three months ago, I fought to make a living. I went after it and I said, I've got to protect, I've got to take care of my family. I've got to make this much money to meet my expenses and to, and to put away savings and to have the money to do the things that I want. I've got to be this person that everybody wants me to be so that I can, I can be a success in the world. But when I looked at the people that were a success in the world in that way, I found an absence of inner peace. I found an absence of tranquility. I found an absence of, no, of people who knew themselves. We have an epidemic in our society today. We have no idea who we are. When I ask people the simplest questions, two simple questions, who are you? I don't know. I mean, I'm a dad. <laughs> I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I said, no, that's what you do. Who are you? I don't know. You want to pursue it? No, not really. I, I, I don't know who I am. Okay. Yeah. And, and the second question is, what did you come here to do? What's your purpose? 95% of the people say, I have no idea. So if people don't know who they are and don't know why they're here, what are we doing here? And so a lot of my friends have made a lot of money because they, that's what they were looking for. I believe we will find what we're looking to find. You want to find money? It's not hard to find. It's all around us. You want to find a beautiful woman to be your soulmate? It's easy. You can do that. I can help you do that. Those things are easy. Those are the easy things. Those are, those are the pacifier that the mama gives to the baby when she doesn't want them sucking on her breast. But if you say, I don't want any of the toys. I only want the breast. I want to be breastfed. I want that in my mouth and I want to suck on that and I want to feel mom. I want to feel you and I want to get the milk of my mother. God has no choice. But the toys satisfy most of us. The toys and the miracles that we do through those toys make us feel fabulous. And so he, he says, okay, great. You don't need me. You don't need to know who you are. You don't need to have inner peace because you're happy with a few little shekels. But when, you, when you're no longer happy with that, when those shekels no longer bring you what it is you desire and what it is you want, 
I say, poor you. I mean, that's me. You know, I say, blessed you. But now you've entered into a world where you are different from everything else. How does one discover themselves? Does meditation, has that, because it's obviously you've been doing it for 40 plus years. Is that kind of how you go within? Because I've started meditation as well. I talk about it a lot. It's very helpful for me. And I can't, if I don't practice it in a day, I feel off. How is that tied into finding yourself and figuring out, or is it separate? How does somebody go about trying to figure that out? So I wish there was a formula that I could give you. But if you say to a Christian, meditate, they're going to say, no, that's not my practice. Mm. For them, it might be doing good deeds. For them, it might be taking in the homeless. For them, it might be ser- serving, loving Christ. But why is that? Why is the Christian, why, don't, why is meditation considered not, because it's just sitting with your thoughts. Let's go another place. There are Hindus that won't practice meditation. Okay. Okay. It, so the beautiful thing about a mosaic is every piece does not look alike. It's not like we're living in a one big track home development you know, area mm, yeah. where every house looks the same and this is the way everybody has to do it. And when you get to know yourself, like for me, my practice was clearly meditation. I loved it. I, I, I loved waking up at four in the morning and sitting to meditate for four hours before I went off to my work. Wow. And then coming and then spending a half an hour at lunchtime sitting with my brothers and meditating again. And then coming home at five and having dinner and then meditating from seven until 9.30. So I love spending my days in seven to eight hours of meditation a day. It was like, it wasn't something that I felt like I had to force myself to do. It was, if you fell in love with your beloved, all you ever thought about would be being with her. That's all I ever thought about. So what happened for me, even in my work, I said, so come and work with me and be a part of my life with me. And that's called, in the tradition I was in, that's what's called karma yoga. You do your work without any attachment to the fruits of your work, but just to serve God. So for some, it could be sweeping, for some, finding themselves could be sweeping the streets with a broom. For others, there are people that meditate 14 hours a day that are, are no closer to God than anybody else. Because they're all caught up in their ego. It's them that's doing it. What we have to find is what is that thing that allows us to dissolve? What's that thing that allows us to realize we're no longer the doer? That it isn't me that's doing any of this. There is a flow that comes through me. There is a mosaic within me that when I connect to the pieces, when I connect to self and to source and to purpose and to others, there's something magical that happens then. It's not like it's a chore that I have to get up and do. It's an intoxication that I have to worry that I won't become addicted to. But it's the one intoxication where addiction isn't that bad. Was it hard for you to learn in the beginning for any beginners listening out there? Because some people uh, find it challenging for five minutes. It depends what it is. The way I was thought, there was nothing, there was no, there was no it that had to be. Huh. I just became aware of what I was doing. And I watched my breath. I mean, here's the beautiful thing in the story of the mosaic. When he meets the monk, the monk teaches him the four breaths. And on the fifth breath, he walks through the, 
he unzips the sky and walks them through to the parallel reality. Well, if you think about the breath, we can go for weeks, maybe months without food. We can go for days, maybe weeks without drink. We can go for seconds, maybe just minutes without air. And yet what we've done is we've made it so inconsequential that we've put it to our subconscious mind to breathe for us. But in those breathing patterns that we do, we can learn a lot about how we are. Hmm. And, and there's four different types of breath. And how we breathe is who we are. And if we would just look at the thing that gives us life itself, and we would look at the life it's giving us, we would start to know ourselves. Does this make sense or do I sound yeah. like a man? No, no, it's, it's great. That's, I, I love going to these. This is what it's all about. This is people, I love getting people to think because we got so many different kinds of guests on different things, different struggles, different overcoming things. And, and this is super important, you know, understanding themselves and understanding how to go within. This is so important. Thank you. My teacher always told me, do you know what a marionette doll is? You know, it's one of those dolls where it has lots of strings. And if you pick yeah. it up from one string, it goes like this. And, yeah. and if you pick it up from the center, everything is balanced. Yeah. We just have to find that center string. So with Mosaic, I'm really intrigued now by this book. Okay. So we kind of tapped into it a little bit, right? We talked about it a little bit. Like, can you just give us kind of a bird's eye view? Because I'm kind of curious now, is it like a story kind of like, alchemist style or like uh something a lot like of a lot of people compare it to the alchemist which i okay can't, which, which i can't awesome believe. book which is a which great is, for for people to put my book in the same paragraph or page or sentence as the alchemist is such an honor to me so it's like a quest somebody's learning and you said that they meet these different people along the way and they learn that you know it's not what meets the eye it's kind of the person Every single person teaches him something new. So, so for instance, let me tell you a story. He's walking along the way mm. and a trash truck pulls up next to him. And the driver of the trash truck looks at him and says, sir, do you have any trash? And Mo is the name of the protagonist. And Mo looks around him. He's not carrying anything on him. He doesn't have any bags. He doesn't, he's not carrying anything in his hands. There's no backpack on his back. He goes into his pockets. There's nothing in his pockets. The street around him is completely clean. And he looks at the trash man as if like, what are you, an idiot? I mean, why, why would you ask me? I have nothing here. And just as he's about to open up his mouth, his eyes catch the eyes of the trash man. And he realizes the trash man's not asking him about physical trash. He's asking him, what are the things inside of you that are blocking you, that are keeping you, that you keep experiencing over and over again, that are blocking your way? from letting you have the life that you want to have. And when Mo realizes that, he says, oh my goodness, I have a lot of trash. But there's so much of that trash. I can't take your time. And the trash man said, I have all the time in the world. I'm a trash man. That's what I do. And he said, if you'd like, I can come in there with you to your house. And I can help you get rid of that trash. And together they go inside Mo's body and they remove all of the thoughts and beliefs and stories. All the limited and beliefs and that kind of thing. All the limiting beliefs that everybody talks about, but nobody has the power to take from you. The beauty of the mosaic is all of these, the forces of nature are there to help us. We don't have to do it alone. 
We don't have to give up our limiting beliefs on our own. If we have limiting beliefs, all we have to do is call the trash man. You know him now. He comes to your house every, every week at the same time. He takes everything that you put in a can. When you're taking your trash out this week, put some of your belief systems in that trash can. Let him put them in his truck and grind them up and drive them off. How does somebody yeah. do that in a practical way? Like if they want to practice getting rid of their trash. If the trash right. man's coming, how will we do that on a daily basis? Let's not talk about how we do it. Let's talk about how you would do it. Tell me one thing, if you feel comfortable enough with it. Yeah, of course. Tell me one story, one belief, one thought that you keep believing no matter how much you know it's not true anymore. Well, I mean, I've done a lot of inner work, right? So I've done a lot of work on beliefs and, you know, not being enough and all that kind of stuff because, you know, I had some trouble in my family, lost a couple loved ones, failed a lot, had a problem with alcohol and, and drugs and all that. And I think in my head, Part of me wants to hold on to thinking that I am not good enough to be successful, but I know I am. I just have that conversation sometimes on days where I'm not feeling my best that I try to get pulled back to the old me, which that old belief, which I know isn't real, but that sometimes it's funny because one day I'll be feeling so confident, so amazing. Everything is lined up perfectly. And then one day something will happen something will trigger and then it will go back to that place of not feeling enough. So, but I know that's an illusion. So thank you for that beautiful honesty. Okay. And thank you for being vulnerable enough right here with your listeners and me. Well, I appreciate you that. asking. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. So here's one thing you could do. And here's one thing that I will promise you, I will hold for you. Okay. I heard a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story that the Vietnamese monk Thich Nhat Hanh told Oprah on Super Soul Sunday. It's a three-minute clip, and I can send it to you so you can hear it from him. I would love it. And I thought, darn, that son of a gun said what I believe so beautifully. I'm not going to try and say it any better than him. I'm just going to say what he believes and say that's what the mosaic is. Okay? Mm. Here's the practice. Lance, from this moment forward, I promise you, I will hold the space for you right out here in between you and me for you to pour everything that troubles you, all your pain, all your suffering, all those limiting beliefs that keep coming up every time they come up, just put them in this container. Free yourself from them. And even if you were to say to me, when we talk again another time. Danny, you son of a gun, you're the reason why I'm pissed at you because you make it seem so easy. You know, and I dislike you for doing that. You gave me a practice that I can't do and, I, and I'm really mad at you. I won't defend myself. I won't say to you, I won't try and rationalize what I've done. I've just, I'll just say to you, Lance, continue to tell me more about that. Because the compassionate part of my listening is when I listen well enough that I allow all of your pain, all of your suffering, everything that hurts you and aches in you and, and causes you to have trouble, troubled thoughts and beliefs and unease of spirit. I just allow you to pour that into the space. You can go back in there and take it out again if you want, 
but I'll be here for you. It'll, it'll be there for you. You don't even need me to do it anymore. Now you know it's there. Mm. Just continue to put it all in here because what happens is when it's here, it's not in here. Mm. Empty it from yourself because you know it's not true. Yeah. And what we fail to realize, because we're scared, I'm scared too. I'm scared to really believe that the God that I know that will take care of, that takes care of everybody else will take care of me. That when I have nothing, I'll be okay because I'll have him. I'm scared to know that. Do you ever have that feeling of, oh, it's, life's too good, something bad's coming soon? I used to. I used to. I don't have that much, in, that one, that much anymore. What, I know, what I'll have, the other side of it is, is I'm just too scared. I, I, can't, I don't know that I can do this. Yeah. Like, you're pushing me to the brink of what I know I'm possible of doing. I know you're there, but do you have to? There's a story that I was told about a, a saint in India. And he was just a highly revered saint. And a disciple had been looking for him all the time, but he had the ability to make himself invisible so that people couldn't see him. So this disciple went to where he knew the saint would walk every day because there were stories of him walking in that region. And he just sat there and meditated. And as he was meditating, he felt the saint walking by. And he opened his eyes and he ran to him and he said, Babaji, I want to be your disciple. If you won't have me as your disciple, I'm going to run and jump off that ledge and kill myself. My life isn't worth anything. And Babaji said, go ahead. And the man ran without missing a beat and ran and jumped off this huge ledge and dropped 10,000 feet to, to his death, shattered on the, on the ground below. Babaji looked at the band of disciples he was with and snapped his fingers. They were suddenly down 10,000 feet. They were putting the pieces of the man back together. When they had all the pieces together, he went like that, tapped them on the forehead. And he said, I had to see if your words were real. You can be my disciple now and you'll walk with us from now on, from here on out. I'm not being asked to jump off a cliff yet because I don't know that I could do it. Mm. But I'm being asked to look at that ledge. That is scary. Yeah, because you're, so you're, talking to what pertaining to what you're doing now, as far as going from what you, the, your job before to kind of going on this new journey now with the book yes. and everything, right? Yeah. So my dream, they say, if your dream doesn't scare the shit out of you, pardon my language. Yeah. I swear. I don't, it's all passion here. <laughs> swear all you want. You <laughs> <laughs> let go. Okay. All right. Good. They say, if your if your big dream doesn't scare the shit out of you, it's not a big enough dream. Yeah. I love and that. My, my dream through the work of the mosaic is for everybody to realize how important their voice is. Yeah. If, before I wrote the mosaic, if my son would say to me, I want to be a trash man, I would have done everything I possibly could to discourage him from doing that because I don't think that's a job of honor. And I think he's smarter than that. I think he can do more. I think he can use his brain. But if my son, after reading the mosaic, said, I want to be that trash man, I would invest every dollar I had. And part of what I realized is I'm that trash man now. I'm that guy who comes in and helps people to just take their problems and put them in a container. That container is called my trash truck. And when they're ready for the trash truck to drive away, I'll ask them, 
And I say, Lance, are you ready for me to take what all that you put in there now? It's getting full. Or do you want to keep it here? And if you want to keep it here, I'll come back next week to get it. That's okay. But if you're ready to take it, let me take it. And you can watch me grind it up. Demolish it. Destroy it. So now that's good when it's only for one person. Mm. But what my dream is that I want to do that for everybody in the world. It's time to end suffering. There's no reason, Lance, in this world that we live in, with all the intelligence that we have, with all the common sense, with all the greatness that exists, that there should be one person in the world that goes hungry, that there should be anybody that's homeless. There's no reason for it. There should be anybody that doesn't have proper health care. There should be no reason that someone's not educated. There's no reason someone shouldn't have clean drinking water. There's no reason women should be, should be thought of as less than men or color of a skin should make you think one person's better than another. There's no reason that people should have to sell their bodies for money to live their life. There's no reason that it should be better on one border than another border. So my dream, and I want to enlist anybody who's listening now, because we're just in the beginning phases. is to start a club called the dollar a month club. All, the, all we're asking you of, of you is $1 a month. I want that because everybody in the world can afford to give a dollar a month. And if they can't, we'll ask some of the people who can to give $2 a month for those who can't give one. And the idea, first of all, of the dollar a month club, the first benefit would be that we'll open up brick and mortar places and virtual places where people of unlike minds can come together to have real conversation, not arguments and fights and my side is better and your side is better, but that we sit together to actually discuss and look at why is it that you see this the way you see it and I see it the way I see it? How can we see it the way we see it? Because that's where innovation happens. When I see the world not the way I've always seen it, the way I've always seen it is me doing the same thing over and over again. But when I meet you and you see the world differently and I go, wow, there's a piece in that that I never saw. Just like in the mosaic, I see these people that that they're not what I saw first. We might find the idea that would make impossible things possible. And we'll bring these people together, people of of the most intelligent people in the world and and the least intelligent people in the world. And we'll sit them down together and have them start to talk about how do we solve the problems of the world? And then we'll use the technology of, that's out there to come up with the problem we want to solve. And if we're only 1,000 people, we're not going to have much success doing it. We'll make $1,000 a month. We'll donate it to somebody who's doing something, something that's good. But if we can grow this to a billion members, we would have a billion dollars a month. And I believe that's possible. And then we take a billion dollars a month and innovation circles are already happening. And we use some of the technology of the world that allows us to use the swarm intelligence or the mosaic mind or the hive mentality to come up with new ways to see, to solve problems. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried if we invest a billion dollars and it doesn't work because we have another billion dollars coming the next month. The idea is to take risks and find new solutions so that we don't live the same life we've always been living in the same way we've always been living because it's not working. The life pattern we're living of a vertical reality where people tell us and lead us and guide us and fix us is an old model, Mm -hmm. a mosaic model where we all come together. We all have a voice. We all come, we all decide together how we're going to make this happen. Not by yelling and screaming at each other, but by listening to each other and allowing AI 
alien intelligence. Embracing all of it. Virtual reality, 3D printing, to come up with solutions that, we, that were never available to us. So many people are so afraid of all this stuff instead of embracing it for what it is, for what it could actually solve. The people that are afraid of it will be hurt by it. Yeah. Because, because what we know now in 25 years will not be the world that we live in. Yeah. And you think about 25 years ago, how different. It's going to be that much more magnified, I think, and change. I think things are going to happen that much quicker. Totally. What was 25 there, years ago? What year is it now? 2019. 25 years ago was what? 1995. Wow. 1994. Oh, but if you, there's a story. I don't know if it's true. I thought it was true, but then someone said it's just a story that it wasn't true. But there was a story going around when I was growing up that in 1896, they wanted to close the patent office because they thought everything that could be invented had already been invented. Wow. That's 1896. Crazy. Well, we always think that too. Everyone's like, oh, we can't invent anything else. There's no way. And then right. something comes out and you go, oh, shit, I could have invented that. <laughs> and in the early 1900s, 85% of the people that lived in the planet were farmers. Now 4% of the people that live on the planet are farmers. So everybody worries, well, what's technology going to do? It's going to take away our jobs. Of course it's going to take away our jobs because they're robotic jobs. They're not fulfilling. They're not giving us anything, but they'll create new jobs for us. And the people who take their head out of the sand and aren't scared. I remember being at Tony Robbins because I know you love Tony and you just came from one of his events. I heard on one of your podcasts. I remember being at his event and he said, how many of you guys, how many people out here like change? And everybody raises their hands. And he said, bullshit, you don't like change. You like change you can control. Yeah. But change happens when you can't control it. Yeah. And so what we have to do is get ready and see the future that's coming. We have to, we have to understand that together we can figure out new ways and we need to figure out new ways. Educational systems aren't working. We're not preparing our kids for the future. We're training them as if they're growing up 50 years ago. I know. It's crazy to be... Yeah, I know. The school system's a whole other messed up thing. I, it's funny because I was just listening to Jim Rohn today. I was listening to this thing on YouTube and he was Tony Robbins' mentor. Yeah, I know. Jim. He's just so awesome at explaining exactly what you just said. Winter will come. It's not about whether these times will come. It's what, like, how are you going to be equipped for these tough times or these okay. good times? Are you planting the seeds when spring comes? Are you taking advantage when the time comes or are you constantly, I don't know, trying to avoid the obvious that's coming winter, right? And But here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing. In the winter that's coming, people will go bankrupt and become devastated. Yeah. While at the same time, others will become billionaires. Yeah. And if we can start to see what we don't see now, the best time to prepare for the future that's coming was 25 years ago. The second best time to prepare for it is today. And today is passing because people aren't preparing for it. And one of the things that the mosaic showed me, it's a beautiful, charming little story, but nothing is as it seems. The people that he meets are not what they seem. The world that we look at is not what it seems. We look at us and we see the separation of our bodies. And I say, here's this handsome guy wherever you are. And here's this old, you know, guy over here where I am. And how can you say we're the same? We're not the same. Come on. But quantum physics is telling us what metaphysics has always told us. Mm. That we're not form. When we look at our form under a microscope, we don't see form. We see energy. 
Yeah. And so we are inhaling right in this moment the molecules that, that Hitler inhaled. Yeah. We're inhaling the molecules that Gandhi inhaled. We choose how we want to arrange our mosaic. We, are, we allow ourselves to just disconnect from the pieces that aren't working for us and reconnect to the pieces that do work for us. And if you think about it, I always loved the jigsaw puzzle because there was something so beautifully exact. This piece goes here. And without this piece being in its perfect place, the jigsaw puzzle will never be complete. But I love the mosaic because this piece can go anywhere. You don't, you're not trapped by one spot on the, on, in, in the artistry. If you're trapped around things that you can't and people that you don't want to be with, you break the mosaic. It's made up of shattered pieces anyway. And you just reconstruct it. So how does somebody, long answer, how does somebody come back to finding themselves? How would we do that? We get rid of the trash that keeps us from seeing who we are. We take a look at the very thing that gives us life, which we can't live a minute without, which is our breath. And we look at the way we're breathing. Breathing. Are we breathing a shallow breath, shallow inhalation, shallow exhalation? I don't want to rationalize it too much, but if you're not taking much in from the world and you're not giving much out to the world, you're living a fairly shallow existence. Most of us, that's where we are. Are we living shallow inhalation, deep exhalation, deep inhalation, shallow exhalation, or deep inhalation, deep exhalation? It doesn't cost any more to breathe deeper. It doesn't take a, 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 big, a, a lot of practice. You don't have to go to a monastery to learn how to do it. Everybody, anybody that has ever taken four or five deep, full breaths knows that when they finish those four or five breaths, they feel better. Why would we not do that? Yeah. Why would we breathe shallow breaths that make us restless, that don't give us any connection to the world that we're living in? where we don't give any of ourselves to it and we don't take any of, our, of the world back to us. Why would we do that? Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> so let's get tangible practices because we've already named a few. Yeah. If you want to know yourself, get to know the trash man. Have a conversation with him. We don't live life listening. We live life talking. People, I, I know people are going to hear it and say, okay, I'm going to call the trash man and I'm going to tell him this is what I want him to do. Do it the opposite way. Call the trash man and say, trash man, what is it you're here to take? And listen. And let the trash man talk to us. In our business, why isn't our business succeeding? Because we're not letting it talk to us. If we ask our business, what is it you want? Why are you having me in this business? What can I do to give you what you want? The whole world is alive and waiting to communicate with us. If we listen to it, it'll be a magnificent world. And then finally, secondly, not finally, but another technique we've given is when you have that relationship with the world, inhale it deeply. Let, it, let the world fill you up. Let it enter your body from, and, and touch every cell with your breath. And when you're ready to give it back, give back every cell of yourself back into the world. What would that practice do? How would that change the way we operate our business, the way we treat our customers? How would that change the way we treat our spouse? How would that change the way we raise our children and, our, and 
decide how to care for our elderly? How would that deal with the way we go to war with nations or, or look for peace with them? The answers are simple. Yeah. Does this make sense to you or am I just, you know? Oh, of course. This is stuff that I, I completely relate with. This is, it's the simple things. It's breathing is so important and it's the simplicity that is sometimes the hardest things for people. Why? It's the simple disciplines. So my question is why? I think people overthink this stuff. Okay. Because we live in such a, everybody wants to analyze everything. We've got such a busy society, so much happening. I think everything just needs to be harder than it is in people's minds. And I don't, if we slow down a little bit. So my wife, bless her heart, has, has her work is to help people feel again, to trust in the power of your heart. And part of what we, part of the reason why we think is because we've been hurt so much that we're scared to feel. Yeah. We have to get stronger. We have to know that the self that we don't know is strong enough to deal with any pain that we have. Yeah. Definitely, you have to take that personal responsibility to build strength, to get rid of these things that have happened. So I, I'm going I'm to reframe that. Yeah. And I love it because that's what I believed up until three months ago. Okay. What would happen if we didn't have to do anything? What would happen if this great goodness of the world that loves us beyond any measure that we could ever have? I have a developmentally delayed daughter. She's 29 years old. She can't take care of herself. She can't feed herself. She uh, has accidents in her pants. She wets her bed and poops in her bed. She has no idea how to get from one place to another. But that girl is the most loved, cared for person I've ever met. And she does none of it on her own. I believe I've been given my daughter to say, if I can take care of her, don't you think I can take care of you? Meaning me. Yeah. What if we stop being so damn important? What if we stop claiming all the glory for all the things that we do as we did it? I'll take care of it. Oh, great. You want to take care of it? Then God says, I don't need to. I'll just rest right now. Hmm. But what if I said to him, God, I have no chance. I have no idea how this is going to work. That's what I'm saying right now. I have no idea. How, how am I going to get a billion people to pay a dollar a month to come into rooms to talk to one another and then use their, their dollar, their dollar each to solve problems the world's been trying to solve for generations, hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years. How am I going to be able to orchestrate that? And every time I ask, he says, do you think I can't do that? Just relax. Give it to me. But as long as I think I'll do it, I've got to figure out. I have to hook this person up with this person and we got to get it. Who knows? And it goes against everything that all the teachers are saying because everybody is self-driving us. You got to do it. You got to do your portion. Well, if God takes care of everything, what's my portion? If you had a business partner that took care of everything in the business, what's your part in the business? It's a different part. I believe our part and the part of the mosaic it's, that is trying to say to me and what I'm trying to say to other people is our part is to change the paradigm, to go from thinking we are the fixers of this world and the world is broken to we are the, we are the holders of this world. And if we just hold each other and allow each other the space, we'll figure it out together.
What's available to us together is so much more powerful than what's available to us alone. The mosaic mind has answers that the singular mind can't even conceive of. Very powerful. Perspective shift, change of paradigm. I mean, yeah, it's true. And, you know, we get to, it's, it's, we don't have to do anything, right? Like, <laughs> well, the only thing that I feel comfortable that I have to do is believe that it will be done for me. Yeah. And get myself out of the way of stopping, of get out of my own damn way. Amazing. Where can everybody find you? I want to make sure that it's clear and we can find your book and we can find. Thank you. So my website is themosaiconline.com. Okay. They can find ways to connect with me there. Okay. Most of what we're talking about here, I haven't had the courage to put on a website because this isn't something that you read and say, yes, I want to do this. These are conversations that have to start. Yeah. So if you're drawn to anything that's going on here, I hope your people will get in touch with you and you and I together can get in touch with them or they can get in touch with me if you want and and I'll open up dialogue. They can get the book by going to amazon.com. But the goal of this now is to have listening circles. So it's not a place where you go on your, on my website, there'll be hints again of everything. It'll just give you some ideas, but you can't put in a short website ideas that are going to change the world. No, for sure. That's why I'm out here talking because I want to say, if this, if this touches something, if it inflames, like the introduction you gave me as beautiful as it is, and as kind as you were to say everything that I wrote for you to pick and choose from, how kind of you to do that, Lance, none of that matters. If we didn't touch somebody today in this conversation, who cares what I did? I'm with you. I'm, I'm the same way. That's why, I mean, we're on the same path. I'm doing the, you know, I'm not doing this to make money, yeah. the show. I'm doing this to add value and help change someone's life. And I say it a lot. I say, you know, this episode could change someone's life. Totally. If totally. one person's life was changed today, perspective was shift, a paradigm shift, or somebody made a new decision towards a different direction, then I am happy with that. And that's why I do it. Because you have to take, well, I hear I say half again, but personal responsibility to know that if you are aware of these things and you know that you want to help people and help inspire people to make new decisions, to think differently, then you have to be able to give the value. And that's why this is so important to me is because having these conversations with bigger thinkers like yourself is what's going to make change, is what's going to make things move in a different direction. So it's very, very important to me. So I completely agree with what, what, what you mean as far as touching people's lives. And, and that's, that's what this is all about. Yeah. And, and all we have... I wish, Lance, I've been around people who have had this power, that they could just walk up to me like Babaji could to the man who jumped over the cliff, and they could just tap me on the forehead, and I saw a world that I never saw before. I wish I had that ability. I don't have it now. But if I did have it, I wish that I could tap the people that are listening and the people that I meet that they would see themselves the way I see them, that they would realize how beautiful and magnificent they are. 
with all their scrapes, with all their bruises, with all their stories, if they would see how absolutely exquisite they are and that the walls that they build around them to hide themselves from people so that nobody will see them, how ugly and small they are. Hmm. When you have a little tree, you put a little fence around it to protect it. But when that tree grows big and bears fruit and gives shade, it looks pretty stupid to have that little fence around it. I wish that I could tap people on the forehead and let them see how the light that shines from behind their wall makes them impossible not to see. And what I see is so much more beautiful than the walls they're hiding behind. It's time to come out of our silos. Mm. It's time to leave our like-minded communities. It's time to put our arms out to each other and hold each other and embrace each other and say, brother, sister, tell me how you see this world. And to listen without judgment and speak without anger. That's the mosaic that I want to create in this world. Where we go from many broken pieces to one beautiful artistry. Because that's the reality. I love it. You know, I always ask one question and I, you've pretty much touched on it. So obviously, but I'd like to just kind of hone in on this because we do it every episode. You know, what is the, what is the one thing, one tip, all the years that you've learned doing what you've done, the journeys, the ups and downs, what's the one thing for overcoming adversity, whether it be taking on a new challenge, traveling, whatever it is that somebody could use in their life today to overcome what it is they're trying to overcome to go on to become successful in whatever they're doing, their path. As you can well imagine, I'm going to twist that a little bit. Probably awesome. not answer like anybody else's answer, but I'm going to answer the question, okay? Perfect. Yeah. The adversity, I'm going to answer it personally, and if it applies to anybody else, that's great. If it doesn't, then you know it's just an old guy sitting in a hole who's lost his mind, okay? No. <laughs> uh, it has to be personal. That's the, that's the whole beauty of this question is that I get a different answer every time. Perfect. There is only one adversary and that's myself. And if I look at the world that I live in and I look at how much I put myself down and I look at how much I belittle myself and I look at the words that I say that make and the stories that I continually tell myself that are no longer true then it's only natural that I would build walls around myself to protect myself from my own abuse. Because I never know when I'm going to punch myself and I never know where I'm going to punch myself. So if I were literally to show that to you right now, I would take my right hand and I would try and punch myself. And my left hand would protect me. But my left hand is what, three millimeters from my face? So the wall that I've built around me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet is about three millimeters away from me. What world can I connect to with a, world, with a wall that close to me? What do I embrace in this life? It's only when I can start to practice kindness to myself. And if people will go on my website, I have this little bracelet that I made, which is a be kind to you. And it's a 21-day consecutive challenge. What I want to do is I want to invite people to try to get to 21 consecutive days of only kindness to themselves. This is my seventh month that I've been wearing it. Today was the first day I got to day seven. 
I hadn't got past six and seven months before this. Now I'm on seven. The goal is not to get there in 21 days. The goal is to watch how we treat ourselves. Because as soon as I can no longer hit myself, this wall can come down. And now my world expands exponentially. Because I might see you in the distance and I go, boy, he's scary mofo. He played hockey and you know, he could beat the heck out of me, so I better protect myself. But I know that when I come up to you, that same thing that dissolved my wall will dissolve yours. When I say to you, Lance, put all of your suffering into this basket and I promise you, I will never hurt you. I will only be kind to you. Slowly, we'll start to take down the bricks that keep our, us separate. And we can keep up the other three sides, but this wall dissolves. And when you do start to do that, and I start to do that, and the world starts to do that slowly, one by one, and we practice kindness first to ourselves. We know how to be kind to each other for the most part. We don't know how to be kind to ourselves. Yeah. So what we have, the adversity that we have, is the connections we're making are my wall to your wall. They're not real connections. They leave us frustrated and alone and empty and wanting more. Because you're never touching me, you're never holding me. But when I bring down my wall and you bring down your wall, suddenly our walls are down and we walk together. And the power of we just continues to grow exponentially as we increase and I decreases. So the adversity, simple practice, be kind to yourself. You're a man of stories. I love it. It's storytelling. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's, it's the best way for people to understand, right? I mean, storytelling is amazing. And I, <laughs> relating stories to things is, is, is so important. When I was a monk in the monastery, I would sometimes give Sunday services. Yeah. And my mentor, my, my teacher would say to me, Danny, most people need to find stories to illustrate their points. Every once in a while, it wouldn't be a bad idea to you put, for you to put a point in for all the stories you tell, because you just <laughs> story after story. So, yeah, I hope some of the points came through. But the beauty be of relatable, a story, right? It needs to be relatable. You can tell people to do things, but if it doesn't relate in a story that makes sense to them, they're never going to learn it. And that's why storytelling, in a way, like that's why these books are so powerful. Like I'm sure, like I want to read yours. Uh, stuff like uh, the Celestine Prophecy yep. and the stories, right? And yep. it's the metaphors and it makes it fun for you to understand the message behind it. You know? When we do a self-help book and I was at Hay House for 10 years, I helped Hay House grow from $3 million a year to $100 million a year. I was a director of business development. So when I say I helped, I helped a lot. Yeah. And so when I first wrote my book, it was a self-help book. And I had a muse that was smart enough to say to me, this isn't your book, write it again. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, you're a storyteller, tell a story. Write a story, write a fable. Mm -hmm. And the beauty in writing a fable is I was sitting on a plane and a woman was sitting next to me. She said, what are you writing? And I said, oh, I'm just starting my book. She said, do you mind if I read it? I said, I'd love you to read the first chapter. And she read it and I said, hey, what do you think? She said, oh, tears were coming down her eyes. And she said, I said, what's going on? I mean, it just touched me so much. And I said, why? She said, well, the only thing that I would recommend to you is that you describe your characters a little bit better. 
And I said, okay, well, tell me how you would think the character that made you cry looks. She said, well, he obviously doesn't have dark hair and dark eyes because I know those people and they won't act this way. So I said to her, had I described him with dark hair and dark eyes, would you have had the same experience? But because I left him available for you to paint him the way you want to paint him, you made him into the person you want him to be. Uh, and that's the beauty of a story versus a self-help yeah. book. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure I've taken more time. I'm a, no, I, I'm, no, I'm a I love, I, I love it. I, I, there's no time limit. No, I, I just, you know, that's, I, I really appreciate you coming on. That was awesome. I mean, tons of value. And I, you know, I love your experience and you, you know, you've come you've done a lot of things in your life and I just want to say thank you. And I can, you know, speak for the audience for the amount of value that you brought and, and what you're, what you stand for and your mission and purpose. And I really appreciate sharing that with us. Thank you. If it turns out that people like it, then I want to plant a seed and it can go on the pavement or it can go into, into the dirt. We'll see where it lands. Okay. We'll have all the information in the show notes for people to check out. And yeah, I, I want to get a, get a copy of your book and have a read because it sounds very intriguing and I, I love your cause as well. So, But the seed that I want to plant is that we use this as a vehicle to reach people if people enjoy it. For sure. Because let's get, we need to reach hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And we need to use this and other podcasts. I'll have a podcast. I'll have you on. Well, eventually we'll just, but, but we need to spread this message out. So north, south, east, and west, Yogananda said, we can't, we can't stop anywhere. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Make sure you guys check him out. Daniel Levin, he's full of knowledge, years of experience, and he's only getting started now. So have a look. He's on a new journey. And I just, I can't wait to see what you create in the next while, Daniel. So thank you so much. My honor and privilege. Thank you, Lance. Have an amazing day, everybody. We'll catch you soon. Ooh, what's up, everybody? I hope you enjoyed that episode with Daniel Levin. He's got some great causes there. So make sure you go back and you find out and let's help him out. Let's, let's start something new. Let's create, let's create a wave here. Let's create some momentum. That was really awesome for me. And although we didn't get to some of the questions I wanted to ask, that's okay. I felt the conversation went to where it needed to go and I got a lot of value and I'm sure that you guys did too. So make sure that you go hit that subscribe button so you can stay on top of all these episodes. I got so many amazing people coming on, everybody. So make sure. Go leave a five-star review. Leave, let us know what you think. I'm going to start reading these out. I'm just letting them build up and I'm going to find the best ones. I'm going to read them out. So... I appreciate all of you so much. I'm so grateful for all of you. So thank you so much. Have an amazing day and we'll catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.